a reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Romans. Brothers and sisters, it was not through the law that the promise was made to Abraham and his descendants that he would inherit the world, but through righteousness that comes from faith. For this reason, it depends on faith, so that it may be a gift and the promise may be guaranteed to all his descendants, not to those who only adhere to the law, but to those who follow the faith of Abraham, who is the father of all of us, as it is written, I have made you father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God, in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into being what does not exist. He believed, hoping against hope, that he will become the father of many nations. According to what was said, thus shall your descendants be. The word of the Lord. The Lord remembers his covenant forever. You descendants of Abraham, his servants, son of Jacob, his chosen ones. He, the Lord, is our God. Throughout the earth, his judgments prevail. He remembers forever his covenant, which he made binding for a thousand generations, which he entered into with Abraham by his oath to Isaac. For he remembered his holy word to his servant Abraham, and he led forth his people with joy, with shouts of joy, his chosen ones. Testify to me, says the Lord, and you also will testify. Dominus Fobiscum. Lexio Sancti Evangelii Secundum Lucam. Gloria 
Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you, everyone who acknowledges me before others, the Son of Man will acknowledge before the angels of God. But whoever denies me before others will be denied before the angels of God. Everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But the one who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. When they take you before synagogues and before rulers and authorities, do not worry about how or what your defense will be or about what you are to say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you at that moment what you should say. Verbum Domini. There is a program this afternoon on EWTN at 1 p.m. Central Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time that I really want to see because I've read the descriptions that Michelle Johnson, our communications director, put in our wings. Uh, EWTN Wings is like an email that you receive about upcoming programs on EWTN, especially specials that are gonna be airing. And so she has a description of this program entitled The Miracle Box. The Miracle Box, what is that about? Well, it's a program about the confessional, where God works miracles every day. He'll be working miracles in the miracle boxes here in St. Michael's Hall at 11 o'clock here in our time, as we always have a lot of people that come here. We typically have three confessors, if we can, to let the Lord work those miracles in the miracle box. So I encourage you, especially if you've been away from confession for a long time, to watch that program. It might give you courage because there's gonna be testimonials in there of people who had different burdens that they carried throughout their lives. Some were inflicted on them at a young age and they carried that and it affected them in their own lives and getting involved in sin. Others found their path to forgiving others and then finding forgiveness. And it's also gonna discuss an important topic about forgiving yourself, or really allowing the Lord to forgive you and accepting that, which many people struggle with. Something that happened in the past, they can't forgive themselves ever that that ever happened. How could that have happened? So. There'll be elements of that too, that discussion in this program as well. I haven't seen it, but I read Michelle's descriptions of it, and that's why I've got it set to record so I can hear these testimonials. And you know, people over my 30 years of priesthood have sometimes said to me that they were afraid that they had committed the sin against the Holy Spirit, that they could never be forgiven. And I always respond, you haven't committed the sin against the Holy Spirit. 
Because the sin against the Holy Spirit is to refuse the mercy of God and to persist in that obstinately until the end. That's really the saddest thing that a priest can encounter is a hardened soul who does not want to receive the mercy that God wants to give to them. That's the sin against the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is prompting us. And I love something that the Catechism says in a section on conscience, 1776 and following. And it talks about how our conscience, that that's where God is speaking to us in our conscience. And it points out to us the evil of a particular choice we have made, a sin we have committed. But this is the insight I really like about our conscience. It says it's a pledge of hope and mercy. Do you ever think of that? Or do you just think of your conscience as, well, this is Catholic guilt, <laughs> you know? This is Catholic guilt, you ever hear that? No, it's, it's testifying to an action we've committed that's evil, that's sinful, but it's also got this pledge of hope and mercy that we can be forgiven. It's like moving us, moving us to receive forgiveness from God, moving us to persevere in good and continuing to strive for virtue with the grace of God to assist us. So think of your conscience in that way too. Yes, it's calling to mind an action we've committed that's evil, that's sinful, but even more so it's prompting us then to perhaps come to the miracle box to receive the miracle of God's mercy. Secondly, <clears throat> I wanted to talk about another phrase from today's gospel where Jesus said, everyone who acknowledges me before others, the Son of Man will acknowledge before the angels of God. There's an article that was posted by the Register. In fact, it's reposted today. And this is the title of it. Did you see Jesus on the streets of New York? Another intriguing title. Did you see Jesus on the streets of New York? And Tim Bush, who's the founder of Napa, and they were the one that founded this Eucharistic procession in New York City on October 10th. And the popular podcaster, Father Michael Schmitz, was the one who was carrying our Eucharistic Lord in the Blessed Sacrament through downtown Manhattan. And so what took place on October 10th, it was a Tuesday, at the heart of the rush hour in New York, they had a mass in St. Patrick's Cathedral, not far from Times Square. And after this mass, which was filled to standing room only, they opened the great bronze doors of St. Patrick's, something they rarely do and only for the biggest occasions, but there were thousands of people and so as that procession began with our Lord at the head and the present and the Eucharist, you had hundreds coming out of St. Patrick's. 
And for the next hour, they are processing with our Eucharistic Lord through downtown Manhattan. And I had to laugh when I read this article toward the end. One commuter yelled to a NP, NYPD officer, how long is this gonna take? Because he was having to wait for this procession to go by as he's driving. How long is this gonna take? And the officer yelled back, it's Jesus. We'll wait all day if necessary. <laughs> but here's what he said, what they were doing, and there were 5,000 people in this procession. Why do we have processions? Why would we have Eucharistic processions? It's intended to be a public witness assigned to society that Catholics believe in something, rather someone, someone higher. And they show that Christ and his church are not going anywhere. They invite non-Catholics to watch what's going on and perhaps wonder why so many people are in this procession. It lets onlookers encounter the Prince of Peace. And so he talks about some of the reactions of the people that he witnessed there. He said the busiest city on earth seemed to stand still. Drivers pulled over, rolling down their windows to get a better look. Pedestrians pulled out their smartphones, of course, <laughs> taking pictures and videos. Streets and sidewalks that were bustling didn't move. They stopped. What's going on? 5,000 people. So one block, everybody would stop and watch. And then when it moved past them, they would start moving again. But the next block would stop and watch. Every eye in the area, he wrote, was fixed on Christ and his followers. That was a point, not to turn heads toward us, but to turn hearts toward the Lord. I lost track, he wrote, of how many times I saw a pedestrian pull someone aside in the procession. What's going on? I also lost track of how many people joined us as we went. A delivery man got off his bicycle, started walking alongside. I saw an entire family cross themselves and then join in the procession. A guy got out of his parked car, ignoring where he had to be to join us. More than an hour later, we returned to St. Patrick's, even more full than when we started. And here was his conclusion. No matter the reactions, no one will ever forget what they saw. The Lord works in mysterious ways. He may now be working in many more hearts. That's what happens when you encounter Christ, especially in places you don't expect him to be. Nobody thought they'd meet the Savior of the world during Tuesday rush hour in the middle of Manhattan. But that's exactly where Jesus wanted to be. So you can read that article on the Register website. Uh, did you see Jesus on the streets of New York? 
Everyone who acknowledges me before others, the Son of Man will acknowledge before the angels of God. This past Monday, I interviewed some people who are involved in the Eucharistic revival, and in particularly the Eucharistic pilgrimages that are going to be taking place starting in May and then concluding in July in Indianapolis at the uh, National Eucharistic Congress. There hasn't been a National Eucharistic Congress in the United States since 1976. And we're having another one in July of 2024. And I encourage you to go to the website the bishops have set up, eucharisticrevival.org, eucharisticrevival.org. And so what they are having are four Eucharistic pilgrimages across the United States. Imagine making a sign of a cross over the entire United States. <clears throat> to have a Eucharistic procession starting in California, coming to Indianapolis, starting on the East Coast, coming to Indianapolis, starting on the North Coast to Indianapolis, <clears throat> the Southern Coast to Indianapolis, making a, a cross over the whole United States with Eucharistic pilgrimages, processions that are taking place across the United States. You can be part of that, and I encourage you to do, to do that. He who acknowledges me before others, the Son of Man will acknowledge before the angels of God. And the bishops on that website, which is so well done, it speaks about it's a journey to Jesus and a journey with Jesus. A journey to Jesus because it's both exteriorly, as they put here, a simultaneous movement of the feet and the soul. And this has always been a part of our heritage pilgrimages. And so while our feet are moving in pilgrimage, our souls also are to be moving interiorly more and more toward the Lord. Many saints experience profound graces on pilgrimage. You can be part of that, this National Eucharistic Pilgrimage. Go to eucharisticrevival.org to learn details about how you can be part of it. In fact, they are inviting young adults to be through the entire procession, accompanying it. Now, they're not going to be walking the entire distance. That would be too much. And there's often large, unpopulated areas. But in significant uh, uh, areas where there's a population, they're going to be having like a mile procession within that city and even beyond that. So it's, it's a journey to Jesus. Exteriorly, we're physically moving, but interiorly to be moving toward the Lord. But then also a journey with Jesus, because Jesus became incarnate. And now he remains with us all days in the Holy Eucharist. And so we're with Jesus. You know, in chapter 11 of Luke's Gospel, we had chapter 12 today. Chapter 11 begins, we had that reading yesterday, or I'm sorry, we had the beginning of chapter 12 yesterday, but in chapter 11, it says that the crowds were getting even bigger. So Jesus is making his way to Jerusalem. 
And in chapter 11, it says the crowds are getting even bigger. In chapter 12, it literally says, when so many thousands of the people of the, had gathered, so many thousands of the people had gathered that they were trampling on one another. That's a huge crowd that wanted to be with Jesus, that wanted to travel with him. And we can be part of that crowd today. So we're journeying with Jesus, who remains with us in this profound way in the most blessed sacrament. Of course, those of you who maybe can no longer walk or get out of your homes, pray for this. Pray that this making the sign of the cross with the blessed sacrament across the whole United States is going to bring about a change, and it will, in many ways, in many hearts. And that this National Eucharistic Congress in Indianapolis that is going to bear fruit that's just going to affect the whole church in the United States. That's what the Lord does. Because whenever we encounter him, things get better. Whenever we allow him to do his work in souls, going in procession, for example, he changes hearts and souls. May our hearts continue in our own journey through life, moving with our feet, yes, but interiorly moving more and more toward the Lord.